What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is episode 71 of the podcast, and we are very happy you're able to join us today. They say we learn the most from our losses, and that is exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to interview a very close, very elite player who has lost one to two games at a major event. We're going to break down their mistakes. We're going to talk about how they plan to learn from them, and we're going to talk about blaming the dice. Let's stop doing it, everybody. Brad's done it. Brad did it last episode. Everyone does it. Arkansas blames the dice for missing a field goal against Texas a <laughs> Hitting that I mean, top goalpost. Oh, God. Don't even get me started. What happened there, buddy? I thought we uh, put, a, put a college I, goalpost in the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Maybe we win that game. Jeez, come on now. <laughs> he, is, he is the goalpost. It's, it's not even regulation. It's not even college-sized goalpost. That's in. That's saying, in. There, was a, there was a lot of uh, talking between the last guests. Well, I think we outplayed them. I'll say that. I think we outplayed them, but I'll give it to AM. They beat us. Like but, if you went to the scoreboard, would it say a win for Arkansas or would it say a loss? A win in my heart, Brad. That's all that matters. <laughs> it's a win in my heart. So, you know where we're going today, Brad? You know where we are headed. I, we are bro, going. I never know where I am. So, <laughs> we are going to an event that me and you said we were going to attend and then we didn't. So, I feel kind of guilty about it, but it is what it is, as they would Flying say. Monkeys? Flying Monkey Con. I wish I had gone. Like, I realized it was like a couple weeks ago and I was like, man. My regret is so high right now because I was really looking forward to that. It's just time time escapes us, man. I have I no said, regrets. Oh. Unfortunately, they held their tournament on the same weekend as a team event. You know how I feel about teams, buddy. You know uh, you're, we're not in your intro yet. Don't even you, you just need to Okay, no more Brad from the intro. But anyway, Never, no Brads. <laughs> no Brads. We're going to we're going to Wichita, Kansas, where we're gonna be talking about the flying monkey con. And we're talking about something we haven't talked about. In a long, long time. We're going to be talking about Ultramarines. I don't know if we've ever talked about Ultramarines on this show. In fact, I'm willing to bet this is episode one of 71 of Ultramarine Talk. And we're talking about their game against the number one enemy right now, Necrons. Now, this is part one of this episode. So in this part, we'll be analyzing the game, talking about common mistakes, secondary target priority, and part two, which is available to subscribers at theartofwar40k.com. We'll be talking about how their list plays into yours list, Brad's list, everybody's list. And we'll be talking about list adjustments, strategy adjustments, and of course, how could we forget the elite player mindset? It's elite. My co-host today thinks he is going to get the full circuit of team tournaments this year. He has won every single tournament. Most recently, his team went and won the Las Vegas team tournament. But his biggest win was when he won at Nova with me. But <laughs> he has one game, one event left in his gauntlet of team events. What is it, Brad? It's Brad Chester, everybody. Everyone D knows Brad. D-O-G team tournament in November. How many teams is it? I don't know yet, to be honest. Let's let's be uh, let's be honest here. I have to get an adult to tell me what's going on most of the time, and then. Uh, but I know I'll be there. As we're speaking, I am texting Siegler because I'm going to build 
the ultimate squad to come and upset you. I'm going to defeat you. And then I'm going to be like, Brad won all these big team events and couldn't even finish it off in his home turf. In I'm just saying there's no chance some beardless guy is going to beat me. What is happening right now with this face? Um, My work did photos and every, all the nurses and the other people were like, oh, you need to shave. So I was like, haha, okay, I will. And I shaved the mustache and it was awful. And then I shaved my face. <laughs> so that's why I have no beard right now. Out of spite. It was a pure, it was a spite shave, Brad. We should probably talk about our guest today. Okay, okay. Our guest today is one of my favorite people on this planet. I've been wanting to bring him on this show for many moons now. When I got back into 40K in ninth edition in 2020, I just moved back to Arkansas. I go to an event, and who do I meet? And none other, our guest today. He was playing Ultramarines then. He was playing when he started the game. He's still playing them. He's the ultimate Ultramarine player. Of course, I'm talking about my good friend, Mr. Ward Watts. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up, man? Did, now, tell me, you've been on quite the roll here. You had a pretty big showing at uh, Flying Monkey Con. You've had a couple GTs in the last couple of months where you finished uh, with one or two losses, huh? Yeah, so uh, kind of a slow season. Uh, wife and I had a baby, so we've been uh, you know, kind of taking a backseat. Or <clears throat> rather, Wargaming's kind of taking a backseat. So uh, I got up to uh, a, a, a GT in northwest Arkansas, which is local. so a little bit easier to get to that. Uh, made it up to Branson. Uh, to the Branson Brawl, uh, had a, a small RTT uh, here locally for a charity event, uh, and then made it to uh, Flying Monkey Con. So uh, just about four or five events, but um, hoping to get another event at the end of October and maybe even December for another charity event. So Nice. And uh, my other question for you is how heartbroken were you when that that field goal hit the goalpost last weekend? So it, it was funny. I was, uh, I was listening to Urbanowski's uh, episode last week when he was talking ah. mad stuff and uh anyways i was like no nah, arkansas's got this so after game three uh on saturday at monkey we went to the pub and watched it and i was heartbroken was urbanowski there he was there yeah he was talking oh. shit on, on sunday so <laughs> <laughs> hey he, he texted me non-stop just chirping after that game and so now i gotta let him come on and do an intro apparently so brett you're gonna hear brett talk about texas a&m i'm sure at some point in a coming episode i don't like it but anyway well, let's talk about get a chance to watch the ohio state game however <laughs> they're, they're just beating up they're beating up babies it's like oh look there's a seventh grade seventh grade middle school team out there and ohio state's beating by 70 okay cool no one cares look man we crush middle schoolers better than anybody else in the yeah. nation. There was like a kid crying. His mom was on the field. So it's okay. They're, they'll, <laughs> they'll stop soon. They'll take their starters out at some point. Yeah. Freaking Ohio State. Anyway, what, tell us about Flying Monkey Con, man. Tell us about the terrain layout and kind of uh, tell us about everything about it. I'm actually curious. Sure. So um, I actually met Brian. A lot of people know him as Bam Bam. Been on the show. Branson Brawl like years ago. Played him in like round three or something in the first day. Ended up beating him on like a super null zone with like three minuses to cast. Anyways, like one of those like crazy game moments that you just never forget. So ever since then, Brian and I have kind of kept in touch. And anyways, he's like, hey, man, I need to get you out to to Flying Monkey. So it's kind of like the Super Bowl of like the Lord Marshall Conference, which is like a Midwest kind of uh, oh. tournament circuit within the ITC. That's super, super, super cool. Lots of it good. used to be, um, what was what was it? Uh, Iron Halo was the ending event previously and i guess uh bam's taking it over huh right yeah so it was uh jason orn used to 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 run it and it was the iron halo uh in bartlesville oklahoma john lennon won it like uh two or three years ago when he came that's when i met you 
Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. other than in Little Rock when we played, but ah, uh, yeah, we did. That was yeah. Neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. <laughs> I love but, uh, like, no, the yeah, terrain. Like terrain was a GW style terrain. Uh, first four blocks line of sight. Pretty pretty good tables. Uh, decent terrain. Uh, looked real good. Uh, first four blocks line of sight isn't just super good for me because you know it's a uh, oops all dreadnoughts list. But let's go over that real quick before we move any sure. farther because it'll make more sense when we start talking about things because. You did not spare all the pew pews. No, I, uh, so uh, a, a good buddy of mine, local mega, 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 super knowledgeable orc player that I think is probably going to make a splash in this next season, or at Who least I hope it? he does. Jonathan Cox. Really cool Oh, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Jonathan Cox. So anyways, he was just like, look, man, I think Knights are going to be a big deal. You know, the Necron matchup, which is obviously one we'll talk about here. Like, I think you just need to have, you need to have the bullets. You need to be able to eat through those wounds and eat through those scarabs and and whatever else so take just enough infantry and just enough stuff to play the objective and then uh bring all the guns walk me through this list and then we'll talk about who'd you play with what mission you played and all the all the things that go into this episode sure so everybody knows in nephilim you know cp are kind of at a shortage right so uh i bring gilliman right he just gives you just spots you three for being your warlord in addition to everything else he brings but uh so gilliman's my warlord i didn't uh, I didn't pay the CP to take his Warlord trait because it's kind of based on infantry and bikers, so I saved the CP there. I brought my main man, uh, Tigerius. Dude is probably one of the best psychers <laughs> in the game, in my opinion. Uh, I've actually tormented uh, Blake when he was playing Harlequins with Tigerius on some like uh, boxcar rolls to deny his big powers and stuff. I remember um, that. So Tiggy has Might of Heroes, so plus one attack strength toughness, uh, null zone to turn off in bones, and Psychic Fortress for the uh, uh, five-up vulnerable save within six. Uh, Primaris Tech Marine, obviously to go with all the Dreadnoughts. Forge Masters, or a uh, Master of the Forge, rather, so he heals three a turn. Uh, Rights of War for Obsec, because uh, that's a big deal. Uh, Seal of Oath, which is an Ultramarine-specific uh, relic, which so lets good. me pick a um, so like a unit or a model. Uh, and everything within six of that Tech Marine, core and characters reroll all their hits and all their wounds against that. Uh, big deal. <clears throat> and Cursors and Cursors, and then Infiltrator with a Healer's Gauntlet. Plan what does a Healer's Gauntlet do again? Ah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. First so it just thing. reduces the first unfa- uh, first failed save uh, to zero damage. It's just it's just a little juicy. Makes them a little tougher to dig out of cover. But again, you'll notice those are all Phobos keywords. So all four deploy. Uh, that kind of lets me start a little bit farther up the board since the majority of my army is pretty slow. A macroplasma by three. Uh, just guns damage three. A lot of AP. Two Relic Contemptor Dreadnoughts uh, with Twin Volkite and Cyclone Missile Launchers. And then two units of Eliminators with uh, Sniper Rifles. Nice. A lot of pew-pew. I like it. Brad, what do you think? I think that I haven't got to see Ultramarines on the board. And it's got Bobby G also. He and Tigerius. He brought us to Flavortown. Yeah, this is Flavortown. This is a big Flavortown. Also, I, like though, I, I do really like, I still think that Marine Troops being up second for deploying it is a big deal. I mean, I love me some infiltrators. I love the insurance policy of the 12 inch because it overrides any of these other special rules like demons and GSC and stuff like that. So you can safely just take one of these infiltrator squads and really just tell somebody, nope, and no one's coming back here. And I do really love them a lot. I like I like that you stuck to your guns and you're taking these uh you're taking this flavor list. You're like, I like Tigaris, I like G-Man. And I'm gonna win some games with it. You've won. You've done well with this, which is what I really appreciate. Yeah. So I mean, it 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 really is just a little bit more durable than it looks on paper. And we talked about it just a, a little bit ago about you know after the armor contempt change, uh, listen to listen to a thing uh, with Jack and 
and Brad, and they were talking about, man, if you're going to rock up with vehicles, you better you better bring it. So uh, Dreadnoughts with Armor of Contempt, and Tigarius can give out a minus one to hit. You can make one of those Dreadnoughts, Toughness 8, um, to like make uh, you lose a little bit of efficiency if, if one thing is hitting on a three or a four, or the other thing is wounded on a three or a four. Um, everything has an invuln. The Dreadnoughts are Armor of Contempt, and and also uh, also have that invuln save. So and reducing damage, it's 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 a lot more durable than you think it is. I mean, it can it can be sneaky and catch up on you. Tiki might be one of the best point for point characters in the game. To be honest, if I was playing Ultramarines, he would be in my list. I've what makes him good, dude? He's an insane caster. He's got an insane caster. He he for free. It's not like he has to spend anything. Every turn, he can also just say, "Hey, this shooter right here, minus one to hit." That's pretty freaking good. That's like a spell in of itself. Like he gets a free spell for nothing. That's nice. But he does it in your return, so it's a big deal. It's like a, it's like the uh, what's that card, the trap card, and you go, you played my trap yeah. card. Oh. He's about thirty-five. I mean, he's just he's oh crazy. seriously, that's crazy. That's really good. Yeah, he gets like basically two CP a turn if you fail the psychic test. You can just reroll it for free, or if you miscast on a super smite, or well, I mean, I, I usually would take the the twelve for the D six mortals, but that's just I like I play pretty aggressive and pretty loose, so. Um, but if you don't want to, if you don't want to take mortals, you can just pick those dice up and roll them for free. So um, I didn't know you were cheating all these years, man. I didn't realize you were playing a good character. I just assumed you were playing trash. <laughs> I mean, ultramarines, you know, everybody says hey. they're garbage, but <laughs> well, tell us a little bit, Brad, can you tell us what, um, about the Necron list of board played here? Moose was not bringing new stuff. So why, if you got, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So he brought some Necrons to the party. You know why I knew he was going to bring Necrons to the party? Because we talked about this list before he came. So, Relentless Expansionist, Turtle Cockrees, pregame move, all obsec, two Plasma Sites, Chronomancer, Technomancer, two units of Scorp Destroyers, three units of Scarabs, three nine nine, three units of three Tomb Blades, two units of six Locust Destroyers with one Heavy Destroyer, and the Silent. That's a lot of she actually has more, one more destroyer squad than I'm used to. But this this army has a lot of speed with those tomb blades. Necron scores some points, man. And even if you're beating up on them, sometimes you can go, hey, your table, and they go, goody here. I got a hundred three turns ago. Cause well, that's what Necron Necrons do what Necrons do. Yeah. But tough list. What was the mission that we were looking at? You said it was GW terrain. What what mission are we looking at going into this? Right. It was uh the precious artifact one 33 or no precious you said precious artifact. tear down tear, tear down their icons maybe so i, I can't ever remember okay. i don't Bombs. mean to create utter chaos here but uh before i do that can you tell me what your mvp on the weekend was and what's on the chopping block i hate him oh my mvp now the, here's here's what the question he was trying to ask because it's it's literally over the, the course of the weekend what unit was your mvp and what unit is on the chopping block yeah he, he tries to get it out so fast because he tries to steal my question every week so he just yells it out guard! i got it i got it in midway midway in the middle of a question i interrupted both of you to put it in there so i just <laughs> strong full boo blake yeah um i mean it, I, I think it goes without saying the the efficiency that gilman brings to the table like he is, he's just always the MVP. However, specifically, there was one dreadnought, my fourth game that ended up. Um, I put Might of Heroes on it, so it got an extra attack. It made like a pretty decent charge into a Tesseract Vault that was on twenty-three wounds. I had done some shooting to it um, in my shooting phase, 
Is that cool? Like, I don't think I kill it, but I think I bracketed enough where it doesn't have like all the satan powers. And it ended up doing 23 damage in one one fight phase through a four up in bone. Uh, so yeah, that, that was pretty. Uh, did he did he get his that was name? Pretty crazy. Is he now named on his base? Uh, just gangster gangster <sighs> redemptor dreadnought. Call him yeah. the gangster of love. Some people yes. call him Maurice, but we just know. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> so what's on the chopping block though? So in in my sixth game against Boone, uh, James Kelling from. Uh, from Goonhammer, man, I just needed some speed. Uh, he 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 deployed in some uh, some really advantageous terrain, and I just I needed I need some speed. I need some infantry. Keyword. I, I don't think I'm going to change anything. One, just because I think five dreadnoughts and all those bullets is just it's just fun. But something I toyed around with, uh, and it actually I think comes out to exactly 195 points, is bringing like five like a five man squad of Bolter Inceptors. Good. It shores up one of my secondary choices that I'm sure we'll talk about, but it gives me some speed. They have assault weapons, so I can advance and fire them. Gilman gives a plus one for Imperium units within 12 on the advance, so a little bit faster. They're durable enough with armor contempt and cover. They can jump around the map. and um, I mean, 30 strength 5 minus 2 in the assault doctrine, or rather a, a tactical doctrine, which is where ultramarines want to be anyway. One damage is just enough to uh, put Marines on threes and cover. Um, and then with my... Uh, my relic seal of oath, like that's a lot of strength five with decent AP, rerolling all the hits and wounds. Like it, it's 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 in, it's exactly one ninety five. So it'd be like I'd lose a dreadnought of whichever variety to to chuck in that. But I I don't I don't know if I want to do that. But it's gotcha. it's been it's been talked about on the way home for sure. Oh, so in this mission, what secondaries did you choose, and what was your thought? What were your thoughts on how were you favored in the match? Did what was your game and your game plan going into the match? So this was my third consecutive game into Necrons. It started um, uh, day or day one, game three, which was on War Games Live against a triple Satan list, which was I didn't really know how to even deal with that. Nor have I played the new Necrons in ninth edition at all. Um, I just listened to y'all's podcast and stuff and know that they just like score a hundred and <laughs> try to keep up. So me and a bunch of the guys had talked about you just got to go, and I think that's why. Um, outside of Moose being an incredible player. Um, he knew his game plan and I was tentative on mine, but my, the secondaries I took, and I do not think I was favored at all. I don't think I was favored in any of my Necron matchups. Um, but that is what it is. I really go, I have a stressful job, so I really just go for fun anyway. So this is like far exceeded the expectation I was hoping to have. I took Codex Warfare, which, um, on the stream game, like really threw people for a loop. And I'll get back to that one here in a second. Since it was the tear down our icons or whatever, I can't remember what it was. The the one where you have the priority objective and you hold it at the end of your turn, you score three points. 30, like, 30, cool. 30, 33. Mission so, I, so I'll take a unit. I'll take a unit of Phobos troops. I'll throw them up in that corner. I'll plant a banner. I'll plant a banner on my home objective. And if I can hold on to those two, that should be 10 uh, for, for the secondary and in, in-game. And then I can maybe get a point or two later on by dropping one on the middle if I've I've done enough work to, to kill some stuff. So it was Codex Warfare, it was Banners, and then it was Oath of Moment. I was like, uh, or rather, uh, uh, no prisoners, right? Like, there's a ton of wounds for Necrons. Like, Moose Base was just like, man, it's like a 15 for you. He's like, you got the damage to kill everything. Some of it will come back with reanimation protocols, but you're probably going to get a 15. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was like, cool. I, like, I think I have a 15 here. I might have like a, a 9 or a 10 here, and then I might have a 10 on Banners, which is not 45, <laughs> which, is what, uh, which is what Moose got. So, so we start off. We're we're playing playing some thirty three. So you're you're setting up. 
What are you thinking in your, your deployment here? And what's your general game plan going in? Because you know they're going to score early and they're going to score often. Uh, so you're going to have to do some huge damage and effectively try to immediately take uh, the middle or one, just basically one of them away from him going into this. So what are you, what are you thinking as far as how are you going to, how are you thinking that you're going to take that uh, with that GW train? Sure. So with with him running the Silent King, he kind of, with a CP expenditure, has what my my Ultramarine-specific Relic does. He's rerolling all his hits in the shooting phase and then can do extermination protocols and reroll all his wounds. Um, that's only one unit that does that, but he can point at a Dreadnought with the, a big six-man unit of de, uh, destroyers rerolling hits and wounds at minus two AP, so it's putting me on four-ups. Um Sure, I reduce damage, but every time that you roll a three, uh, that's that's two damage. And if those are the ones that I fail my saves on, my dreadnoughts are just gone. I had a pretty decent piece of obscuring terrain that I could deploy behind, um, and I, and that's where I made my mistake. There was pretty decent block uh, blocking terrain in the middle. I was like uh, three soda cans, and then like three soda cans kind of split like that, uh, kind of catty corner to each other in the middle, which made a good. In hindsight, it made a pretty good block to his other destroyer unit that was on the left side or right side of the board. I have a two CP redeploy. I was like, "Cool, I can just deploy defensively." And then if I roll, if I uh, go first, I can I can pick up those three plasma dreads. I can put them right on the line in the middle of the table, and I can just make a mad push, uh, like you said, to keep him off. Uh, He picked the top left corner to be a priority objective. I can keep pushing him off that. I can I can get some guns on, I can reduce his ability to score with the, with the first turn. The mistake I think I made was by doing that. Uh, I think I could have stood to lose a Dreadnought and not have lost as much firepower as I thought I was going to. Um, as it turns out, he won the go-first roll and was just immediately owned the entire table. And because I had deployed defensively, I was already I had already lost. Uh, he was already on the objectives with the Scarabs. He had already pregame moved and had taken my party objective with his score packs um, and digging those score packs out of that cover behind uh, obscuring terrain that blocks first four blocks line of sight. They were there until turn three. So, you know, it. I'm not saying that the Gophers, uh, it, I think it's an okay matchup. I, I still think it heavily favors Moose and Necrons in general. But if I have the first turn to get some shooting and put in and, and, and be aggressive and get that eight inch move on the line and be right there in the midfield. Um, with all the guns that I have and my defensive buffs can come up, I can I can hopefully live through whatever whatever hits me, heal through whatever's left, and then get some get all my guns online. I uh, actually put Seal of both on um, the Silent King, so he didn't even really get to play uh, with the Silent King in turn five until turn five. But I, I I mean other than that, the Scarabs, the Scorpex, the Tomb Blades got a like really good move block. It was it was it was pretty it was pretty well over after the. Not deploying just aggressively and like, look, I have to have those five inches to six inches because not having it means that I'm not interacting with his army until turn two or three. Right. And by that time, he's running up the score because he can get a a couple of 12s down, uh, complete those secondary actions to get that 45. Now, did you think about, you know, talking about deploying aggressively is that I, I thought maybe you could have. If we didn't do it in the first place, you could have just done the redeploy and did a little bit more of an aggressive to a flank then. Uh, redeploy, giving yourself that option of getting there earlier. Yeah, so I had, because he had picked my the, the top left-hand corner, I already had another unit of incursors kind of behind obscuring to where with an advance I could be on that objective at the end of my turn, um, and I had all three of my dreadnoughts right behind that obscuring. 
having having just been and and I knew that I and I was scared, frankly. I was like Moose and I were talking. I was like, man, so how long you been playing and where are you from? And he goes, I've been playing twenty two years. I was like, oh okay. And he's like, yeah, I used to. I was on the WTC team for Greece. I'm like, holy shit! Like I'm just playing against you know guy that's represented our nation for 40 can i'm like well this guy's clearly a good player um and i'm newer to the, the competitive scene I, i've played for a couple years but i've not gotten out competed at majors and have been successful enough to play these caliber of players so yeah i, I was I, frankly i was scared so I, I like i was like man i gotta get behind this obscuring terrain i know that those scarabs can can cut up my dreadnoughts and if i lose too many dreadnoughts in the first turn it's already over but the mistake was and i didn't see it until or think about it until earlier this week um like on Monday, I was like, man, I could have just just went for broke anyway. Like, what did I have to lose? I'm playing Ultramarines against against Necrons. It's like I should have just put myself out there. And I, I like the, the look at it though, because uh, the thing is, is when you're looking at that, when you're coming in as a newer player versus an experienced player, don't change your game because of that. And I see people do that all the time. They go, you know, I'm I'm four and zero, I'm five and zero, I've done really well in this tournament, and then you go up against you know, named person that, you know, wins all the time. And you're like, well, I better come up with a different game plan now because he's going to have the counter for this. Now just the same stuff works because it's the good stuff. Just getting those proper angles, move blocking, you know, target priority, just same thing you always do. But the thing is with this, unfortunately with Necrons, you really have to have a little bit more of that aggressive mindset because in the end, if you table him at the end of three, and it doesn't make any difference anymore because he's still just going to get his hundo. You, you know, your max score is 90. It doesn't make any difference anymore, especially in the singles environment. And we, we don't have differential uh, winning, you know, winning or losing might as well be by a million or, or one. It's all, it's exactly the same thing. Kind of. But I do like the idea, the, the looking at it and realizing I could have been uh, more aggressive about that, not just in a, you know, YOLO swag, but just even getting up, shooting the hell out of those dreads, and then just punching those guys. Because you got to figure that every one of your hits that's going through is picking up a score pack. It's picking up all, an entire just a scarab base because uh, all the damage is uh, 3 plus D3. So you're basically just tiger uppercut, <laughs> uppercutting everything that comes in your way. So, Brad, I thought, uh, I thought when you said in the singles format, we were about to get a tangent about team events again. I, and I, we, I, I, I thought about coming. it. I thought about it for just a second. A hot minute. Because team events are the better events. Thank you very much. What was your take home from this, Ward? On this event, what do you feel on this on this game and this event in general? Because you haven't played in a bit, so you're kind of you're kind of hit hit or miss on coming in and out of the meta. What was your take home after playing a couple of elite players in uh, Goonhammer and Moose here? What were what was your big big thing, I guess? So it in in and Brad Brad nailed it because it's in in my game three, it was against triple triple uh, triple Satan, and I did I did do that. I was like, he has a limited number of shooting assets. He had like uh, like one big unit of heavy destroyers. Was like cool that might kill a single dread if he if he's if he rolls hot. And I was like, I just have to put on put everything on the line. That way, if I do go first, and I did, I just max move everything into the middle of the board, and just I I I, I keep my game plan that I had practiced. Uh, I, I, I put up my banners. Um, and I get we can talk about Codex Warfare whenever y'all want to, but I think that's actually it's not the best secondary for Space Marines, but it's not bad either. We're going to uh, talk about that in part two because ah, secondary good. choices. From, you know. Um, but I, I really do. And Brad, like like I said, Brad nailed it. I should have just put my stuff out there 
I know how durable I am, even if I don't go tur- like uh, turn one. And the redundancy is built in. It's like if he pops extermination protocols, because you know that he would, he picks up that dread, and then I play the game with four. But I'm in a position to make charges, to to utilize the the, the shooting. And and the melee power that comes with dread, it comes with the redemptor dreadnoughts. Every every failed save is a, is a dead scarab, is a dead uh, destroyer, is a dead score pick. I mean, the Silent King doesn't want to mix it up in combat with a redemptor either. So um, I, I just uh, I played passive when my game plan and everything that I'd heard and talked about was Necrons. You have to you have to beat them to the punch. If you if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile, and that's exactly what Moose did. did executed perfectly. Blake, you muted yourself, and now you're trying to talk to us. I think that's well put, man. And I gotta <laughs> say, um, I have to say that I think this is time, man. The time has come for us to go to the Bradening. I'm ready for the Brad Hour. I'm ready for to ask the hard hitting questions. I'm ready for you to give us the answers. And before we go, can I get one thing from you? Can I get a woo pig? Woo pig suey, baby. Woo pig suey all day. You you remember that if you're listening. Uh, John Lennon and Brett, because uh, we're coming for you. Basketball season's right around the corner. We're going to whoop you. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Make sure to join and listen to our other podcast at theartofwar40k.com. We have The Art of War Vanilla with Nicholas Nanavati and Paul Murphy. We have the very, very, very Australian Art of War Down Under with the late and great Adam Camilleri. And of course, we are the Art of War Pistachio. The flavor didn't know you liked until you tried us. Love until you tried us if you would. Thanks for listening. Join us for part two. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. Theartofwar40k.com. 